Turn your Bibles to the book of Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31 for our thoughts this morning. I'm going to use one scripture this morning and that's what I'm going to preach from. Again, we had a good time. We were, we were busy a lot. We were, truly were. But I'm thankful, American Baptist Association. And one thing I did mention, uh, Brother Terry was picked up as an interstate missionary. He is now on full support. So we rejoice and we thank God for that. All right, is everybody in Job this morning? Job chapter 31, and look at what verse 14 says. That'll be my text. What then shall I do when God rises up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Amen? Read it one more time. What then shall I do when God rises up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you and we're thankful for this day. Thankful for this opportunity to be in your house to worship you, the living God. And Lord, I'm thankful for everyone that has come out this morning. Lord, we've got several that are absent that's usually here. Lord, you know the hindrances. You know why they're not here. We just ask, Father, that you watch over them and bring them back to us. Lord, we pray especially for Sister Linda and Brother Ed. Lord, we love them and we're thankful for their service while they were here with us. Now that they're in New Mexico, watch over them, especially Sister Linda, Lord. We got word that she's got cancer and we just ask that you please touch her body according to your will. Just heal her disease if it's thy precious will. And that is our prayer. And Lord, we ask that you be a Brother Ed as he's there at her side. Give him grace and comfort in knowing you're in control of this situation. And just uh, be with him. Sounds like he physically is having some issues. So we lift them both up before you. Lord, now as we get ready to break the bread of life, I ask that, Lord, you just open our eyes and ears to your word. Pray, Lord, you'll use me. Give me the words to say that I might present Christ and might say those things that you'd have me to say, Lord. Let it be from you, not myself. And Heavenly Father, I, I pray if there's one amongst us that doesn't know you, that when the invitation is given, they will respond to the call of the Holy Spirit. And again, Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for all you do in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I've studied the book of Job quite a bit in 35 years of ministry, and Job is a very great book. In fact, the Bible, I say the Bible, theologians have said that it's one of the oldest books of the Bible, not the oldest book in the Bible. But I want you to understand, everybody pretty much is familiar, right, with Job. I was going to step out there, but I'll probably go down and y'all laugh at me when I fall. Amen? Y'all ain't right. That's going to be my new saying, ain't right. I heard that a lot. Them old archie preachers preaching the ABA. Ain't right. Ain't right. Get her done. That's, not, that's a Nebraska song, saying. But ain't right is an Arkansas saying. But anyways, uh, you know, 
God allowed Job to be tested. And, and yes, Job was tested. But you know why? It was to bring honor and glory to God. Amen? It was to bring glory to the Lord. And even though Job uh, went through his testing, if you will, and I can't fathom losing a, a whole family. I can't fathom losing everything, even my health. Never been there, thank the Lord. But uh, even though God was faithful to get him through, But understand something, as you read the book of Job, you'll find that Job had questions for God. And he couldn't wait to get to God and ask him why. And then we come to our text verse, and what does he say? What then shall I do when God rises up and when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? He finally came to the conclusion, uh, what am I going to do when I see him? What am I going to answer to him for? You see, we've all heard it say, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why this happened in my life, why that happened in my life. Understand, you're not going to ask God nothing, but he's going to be asking you and I to give an account and answer. For what? For what, preacher? For how we lived here on earth. You see, we're here on earth to prepare to be with him in eternity. That's why we are here. And I'm thankful for the blood. Amen. Because uh, had it not been for the blood, I'd have a lot of answers. So I want to speak to you on a question of concern to each of us this morning. And... uh, I wrote a few things down in my Bible. And by the way, I think Brother Bill's trying to get one of these, but this is a classic note Bible. King James Version, of course. That's the only authorized version. But uh, you can write down notes and stuff, little this and little of that, and that's what I've done because uh, God's going to ask us some questions. And how will we answer those questions when we stand before him. The first question I want to say is, the question is not, will the Lord visit us? He will. See, the word of God is clearly teaching that he will return again someday. It's not if, or is it possible, he is coming back. Amen. In fact, in the Bible, in the book of Jude, it says, He's coming back with ten thousands of his saints. Jesus said in John 14, 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, it's not a question of if the Lord is going to come back. Oh, he's definitely going to come back. But I tell you what, the world lives like, nope, nope, that's just an old fable. That's just an old tale. He's not coming back. I beg to differ. He's coming. Amen. Listen. The Lord himself promised he 
would return. Understand with me this morning. You understand that if the resurrection didn't take place, do you understand that if he wasn't coming back, he didn't resurrect after the third day, that our only hope would have been just the grave. That would have been it after life, buried, done, worm food. Amen. I know, preacher, why do you say those things? Because I'm just a country preacher, that's all I know. Warm food. But listen, because of the resurrection, you and I don't have to worry about it. Because he lives, we'll live also. Where he is there, we will be also. So when it comes to the question of, is the Lord going to come back? Yes, he's going to come back. The next question I want to ask is, questions not the Lord calls us into a, an account with him. What I'm trying to say is you and I are going to give an account to God. Do you all believe that? Now the world lives like it's not accountable to God, but we as believers understand we are accountable to God. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed, appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So there is going to be an account, and we will stand before him and give an account. Notice, nothing is more clearly set in Scripture than we are accountable to God. Why do you think he gave us his word? Because he is going to hold us accountable to how we lived by his word. Now the world don't want to hear that. That's their problem. They don't want to be accountable to anyone. They just want to live and live and live and they want to do their own thing. But listen, there will come a time when we'll stand before him. In fact, the Bible says every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of the Father. That's what the Word says. So it's not a question. And the question is not, will we answer Him? For we shall. You see what I'm going to get across to you is this there will be no excuses. When we stand before him. All of us are guilty of excuses. Why we can't do this and we can't do that. There will be no excuses when we stand before God. Truth is going to be answered with truth. Amen. And the Bible says we as believers and lost people will stand before God and give an account of our life. You don't believe me? Let's look at scripture real quick. Turn to Romans 14. 12. Romans 14, 12. Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to who? God. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew 12, 36. Matthew 12, 36. 
But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. And then, of course, you know this, Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Many will say to me in that day, and he's talking about the judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And look at verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Understand, again, there will be no excuses when you stand before God. You're going to be confronted with God himself and the truth. And the truth is not going to be twisted. It's going to be the harsh, hard truth. You said you loved me, but why didn't you live like it? You said you loved me, but why didn't you serve me like it? Those are hard, harsh truths that will confront many of us. It's like Jesus said, they serve me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's where we're at today. Talking to some of my preacher friends back there, back home from Kentucky and whatnot. In fact, I'll just let you in on something. A couple preachers from Kentucky, oh, sometime in the spring, they're going to come out here. And we're going to have us a spring revival. One of them is going to be with us, and one of them is going to be a wagon wheel. And then when next fall comes, we're going to Kentucky. I'm going to preach at one church. Brother Jim's going to preach at another church. But they're coming out. But as talking to them, you know, <laughs> the one thing that they both said in common was, you know, people just, he goes, used to, what people stayed in a church for generations. But he says, today, they either church hop one church after another or they don't even go at all anymore. And we've known these people. We knew their grandparents. We knew their parents. And now, gone. And it's so disheartening that people just don't seem to want to serve the Lord anymore. And I assure you, some of those folks, when they stand before God and he starts questioning them about their service, they're going to have excuses of why. Well, that preacher, he was long-winded, or I didn't like him, or the church just, ah, it was too small. Church was too big. There's always going to be an excuse. But let me again say, there will not be no excuses with the Lord. You see, he knows us. And oh, believe me, (laughs) he knows us so well, he's going to stop us before we even try to offer an excuse. Amen? So, again, 
what shall I answer him then? Preacher, what shall I answer him? I wrote these thoughts down here. First of all, what shall I answer him concerning my soul? Again, we said every knee's going to bow and confess him as Lord and King. I can only answer for myself, but I'm going to answer when he asks me, are you saved? Lord, you know I repented of my sin, and I asked you into my heart to be my Savior. But I can only answer that for myself. My question to you this morning is, can you answer that? Have you done that? And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of folks that will profess they've done that. Mm-mm. Nope. Well, I shook the preacher's hand and he handed me a Bible. I'm saved. Nope. Well, I walked the aisle a dozen times. Surely one of those times it must have took. Can I tell you something? When you get it, you'll know it. When you get saved, you can't help but tell somebody because you can't keep that to yourself. Anybody that says, well, I can't tell my family I got saved, I have issues with that. You say, but they'll disown me. I'd rather belong to God's family than my own flesh and blood family. Now, I love my family, don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to let them keep me from praising God that I'm in his family. Amen? Okay. Again, what shall I say and answer him concerning my Christian growth? How many of you believe that the Bible teaches that you and I are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, when we mature in Christ and we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, God the Father is honored and glorified. And child of God, if you're redeemed, you have a responsibility to grow as a Christian. Now my question is, are we going to end up being, you know, when I wrote this down, I, I kind of smirked thinking, boy, I would be an ugly, gray-headed baby in Christ. I would be. My question to you is, how about you? Are you going to be a gray-headed baby in Christ? Or are you going to be a mature believer growing in the Lord day after day? Think about that for a second. Let that sink in for a second. I'll get in trouble, but my wife will tell you I usually stay in trouble. What's wrong with our churches today, people? That, that was the main theme and agenda. What's happening to our churches? Why are they in the shape they're in? I'll tell you why. We've got too much immaturity in the church. And it's not because the preacher ain't preaching the Word of God. It's not because the Sunday school teacher is not teaching the Word of God. It's because they turn a deaf ear, and they don't want 
to grow. They like that little bottle. Nothing too much, too deep. Oh, don't preach over my head. I couldn't preach over your head if I wanted to. Listen, <laughs> I tried that one time, and I almost drowned it. Amen? I don't preach too deep, but I do preach God's Word, and if you'll take God's Word and apply it to your life, you will grow. You will grow. How will I answer him about my Bible study? See, the Bible says study to show yourself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You want to know why there's immaturity? That right there. What are we going to tell God when he asks us? How come you didn't study my work? You had plenty of time in the day. No, you wasn't willing to turn the TV off. No, you wasn't willing to go to a ball game, stop going to a ball game so you could study the Word of God. See what I'm saying? How will we answer him? How will you answer him, church, concerning the study of the Word of God. Churches today aren't preaching the Word of God. They're not teaching the Word of God. They don't encourage their people to get in the Bible, the Word of God. And then you wonder why they get so easily drug off into heresy. Notice what it says. Am I going to be ashamed when he asks me what I did with his word and I say, Lord, I'm guilty. I neglected it. I was too busy. I had other plans. I had other things to do. Think about that for a second, folk. It's serious. We will answer him. He will have questions for us. We're not going to ask him questions. He's going to be asking us questions. And we're going to have to answer him. What about not only Bible study, but what about church attendance? Doesn't the Bible say in Hebrews 10, 25, we're not to forsake the assembling the brethren? Mm -hmm. I look out now I know we've got some sick folks I'm not talking about those that are sick God knows that but we also got some folks that had rather stay home and do their own thing than come to the house of God amen it's true how are we going to answer him when he says why wouldn't you in the house of God Let me ask you a question. What would you do if you stayed out 
And he showed up at the house of God. How are you going to answer him then? He was here. And he says, where were you? I was in a boat fishing. Sorry. I was on a deer stand. Sorry, Lord. I'd ride my four-wheeler out in the woods, the mountains. Lord, I can worship you in the mountains. The problem with that is, yeah, you could, but you won't. That's the problem. I've heard that excuse so many times. Oh, I'm so sick of hearing that excuse. Well, I can worship him on the lake. I can worship him in the tree on a deer stand. I can worship him on the mountain. I can worship him anywhere. Yeah, you could, but you don't. That's the problem. He told us to come here to his house to worship. It's where he receives the glory in his church. Amen. How are we going to answer him when he asks us about our offerings? Uh oh, preacher, are you going to preach about tithing? You know I don't have to preach about tithing. I don't preach about tithing. That's between you and the Lord, and you are to know what the Lord requires. He does say on the first day of the week to bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse of God as God has prospered you. Now that is between you and Him. I'm not going to beat you over the head. I'm not going to stand before you and beg for money. You as a born again child of God know what your responsibility is. And what you give is between you and God. But what's he going to say when he questions us and he says, how come you didn't support the church? You know they got bills. What's he going to say when he questions you and says, how come you didn't support missions and the missionaries that are abroad in the world? Getting the gospel out. What are you going to answer? Again, Word of God is complete. Word of God lets us know how we're going to answer. <laughs> You've heard me say it once. I'll say it again and again. <laughs> Best way to kill a Baptist is to shoot him in a wallet. He'll drop dead every time. Every time. Had a deacon, my first church. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I love that Mount Olive. It was a good church. God put me in a good church. It was, they are just country folk, and they had a country preacher. And, you know, they got along. There wasn't no division. There wasn't no Hatfields on one side, McCoys on the other. I mean, they just truly loved one another. But I had an old deacon. He's one of the ushers to take up offering. Anyways, without fail, every Sunday, he'd go around and take up the collection, and he'd bring it to the front and set it in front of the pulpit. He'd reach in his wallet, and he would 
take out 10, sometimes a 20, and he would make change. He said, well, Brother John, you shouldn't be making fun. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying I wouldn't do it in front of the whole church. But more so than that, I wouldn't be held accountable to God for making change. If God has prospered me, I need to give what he's due. Let's move on. I'll, shut, I'll get in trouble. I'll shut up. What shall I answer concerning my witnessing to others? Word of God says go and tell. Boy, we heard a lot of that, didn't we? Go and tell. Word of God proclaims that the Spirit says come. Let him come. So you and I as the redeemed are responsible for sharing the Word of God with the world. Now here's something I want you to think about. When you and I get to heaven, is there going to be anybody up there that's going to come to you and the Lord and say, thank you for introducing me to the Savior? Think about that for a second. Will there be one? Will there be many? And my prayer is, there's not. None there that took the gospel to the lost wouldn't take the gospel to the lost. Excuse me, that little backwards on my part, but you see what I'm saying. And then let me show you the backside of that coin concerning our witness. It would be something to hear someone say, Lord, he introduced me to you. Wouldn't that be nice to hear? Well, well done. Faithful. But what about that soul that goes to hell that you didn't witness to? And that soul says, you met with me day after day. You knew I was lost and undone before God and you never mentioned him to me. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I definitely don't want that to be said of me. I think back, if it wouldn't for many people sharing Christ with me, in my life, I wouldn't be standing before you. I wouldn't know the Savior. But there were many that planted seeds, many that watered, and praise God, he gave the increase. But I don't want anyone to say, he never mentioned you to me. It's sobering, isn't it? One other question God might ask, we have to answer. 
How shall I answer him concerning my attitude toward the church, its people, and its pastor? Uh-oh. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in. Smoke that in your pipe. What's the Lord going to ask us about how we treated one another in the house of God? Did we fuss and fight and argue? Did we get along? Did we fuss and argue with the pastor? Did we support the pastor? Did we pray for the pastor? Did we help the pastor? You see, he's going to ask those questions. And while we're talking about a pastor, I'm your pastor, and I know you love me, and I'm thankful for this church. I'll be honest. Of churches I've pastored, this church has really blessed me, and they've treated me better than any of them. But since we're on the subject, I just want to bring it to your attention. Understand that those shepherds, those pastors in the Lord's local New Testament churches are gifts from God. That's what the Bible says. I'm a gift, bro, Ciro. And no, I'm not a booby prize. I'm a gift. And as a gift to his church, you need to remember to treat your pastor as that. Amen? Never seen so many preachers back there discouraged in my life. Some of them weren't, but the majority of them, we had a special service prayer just for some of those that were discouraged in the work, their churches. Breaks my heart. You know, I, I would recognize, you know, maybe a handful, maybe that were dealing with some things. But when they were called down to the altar to have prayer, I've never seen so many preachers walk up there and said, wow, I don't know what to do. Well, that preacher that preached the missionary sermon said, I can tell you what you need to do. You give it to God and let him handle it. You just stay in God's will. Don't quit. Stay where he wants you. If he wants to move you, he'll move you and you'll know. But don't quit. And don't let no one run you off from the house of God. Altar full preachers. Weeping. Again, how are we going to answer when the Lord asks us that? Hey, how did you treat the church? How did you treat the people in your church, your brothers and sisters? And how did you treat the pastor that I gave you? Sobering, huh? 
Well, I'm fixing to hush, but I want to read it one more time. The text. What then shall I do when God rises up and when he visiteth? What shall I answer him? Well, that's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? Because we're going to answer him. You see, God has given us life here on earth. I said it a moment ago. And he is going to hold us accountable to how we live that life here. That's sobering to me. We know that there's no doubt that the Lord is coming. There's no doubt about his love for you and me because he sent his son into the world to die to pay our sin debt and to save us. What a Savior. What a Savior. I wonder this morning if God has spoken to a heart. Has the Spirit spoken to your heart? If he has, will you respond to his call? It's up to you. I can't force you, but I would encourage you, do as the Spirit leads you to do. Finally, he wants you to be saved. If you've not yet made a true profession of faith in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're here today. You have that opportunity right here and right now to do it today because you're not guaranteed another moment. You're not guaranteed another day of life. So, how will you answer? What's your answer going to be when Jesus said, what did you do with my son? My prayer for you is you can say, I accepted and received him into my heart as my Savior. Or are you going to say, I rejected him. I was too busy, had other things on my mind. You don't want to reject the opportunity. So, in close, how are you going to answer? What will you answer? Good old Job. Boy, it built up all through the book. How he's going to tell God, we ain't going to tell the Lord nothing. We're going to answer what he wants us to say. He's going to be the one with the questions, not us.